Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Lights Out F1 podcast. Just the two of us this week. I'm Matt Sammons, and I'm joined by Callum McAvoy, which should make it nice and easy for you to understand, rather than me going Callum O, Callum M, Callum O, Callum M, and you just have no idea which Callum's speaking. Um, so, yeah, just my, me, myself, Matt Sammons, and Callum McAvoy, no Joshua Fletcher, or Callum Owen this week for various different reasons. Hopefully, uh, we'll get to talk to them again in the near future. Um, but Callum M, first of all, we've had the longest break so far this season, uh, a two-week break before the Australian Grand Prix. Obviously, the last one was was Saudi. Um, how have you been in the two weeks? Did you miss Formula One last weekend? How, how has that been for you? I was having withdrawal symptoms over the weekend, you know, like it's, you know, you get so used to a Grand Prix every week that when you don't have one, it's just very, very jarring. But uh, yeah, glad to, glad we're racing this weekend and glad to be back in Australia as well. Uh, been far too long since we've been there, so. Yeah, certainly looking forward to, to talking about that later. We've, I think we've already seen some uh, fantastic Instagram posts already from the drivers who are soaking up everything that Australia, not only Melbourne, but Australia has to offer. And I saw a picture of uh, Mick Schumacher uh, with, with some like crocodile today. I don't know if you saw that. Um, I've seen Esban Ocon uh, posted a nice picture of the city all lit up and it just looks quite nice and a much better place to be than the UK at the moment, which... You can't decide what it was to do here at the moment. And I mean, I know we're already talking about the weather, but I mean, I drove home from work today. It was cloudy. Then it rained and, and then it rained. It properly rained. And then it was like bright sunshine by the time I got home. I, I've got no idea what's going on. With the UK at the moment. Um, but let's talk about motorsport rather than uh, the UK weather, because nobody wants to hear about that. And everybody that's listening to us is probably in the UK and knows all about it. Anyway, uh, let's talk about Saudi Arabia. Uh, the first thing to do is talk about the fact that Carlos Sainz, uh, got his first ever pole position in Formula One. How proud, proud were you? How pleased were you for Carlos Sainz? You mean Sergio Perez, surely, Matt? Oh, oh. yes, I do. Yes. Where did I get that from? <laughs> I was like, what do you think? Where did Science? I get that from? No idea. I said that's too complicated. <laughs> it's just two of us, and we <laughs> do it at the last minute. It, of course, it was Sergio Perez, and it's you as well. This is what happens when we don't do a pod for about two and a half weeks. <laughs> you completely forget <laughs> everything proud. about he, Formula he One. Yes, of course. I was so proud. My boy, Sergio. <laughs> Deeply disappointed uh, that he wasn't able to convert it into a win. Um, just unlucky time with the safety car, wasn't it, uh, during the race? But, uh, oh, well, we go again, uh, I guess. That is exactly why you've got a job in the industry and I'm still at university. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I messed that up that badly. I'm really going to beat myself up about that. Um, I think it's because I'm looking back at our predictions. I've got them on the screen in front of us and everybody put science in second or most of it, I think two or three of us put science in second, which then made me think that he was on pole for some reason. But Sergio Perez, first ever pole in Formula One, um, you would, you, it's not even pleased. You would have been proud of him because, because he was your boy. Um, but he didn't convert that and, and didn't have the best race in the world. I think he came to finish fourth, was it in the end or third? Somewhere yeah, like that. Four. I mean, you just take yeah, it. You get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I have one job on this pod, and that's to correct everyone else's mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> that's not true at all. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, Saudi overall um, was nowhere near the chaos that we saw last season. Um, what did you make of the race overall? We didn't really see too much action apart from another exciting Charles versus Max battle. Well, yeah, let, let's, let's give it credit where it's due. The battle between Max and Charles was very, very good. And, uh, yeah, quite, quite comical at times, obviously. Um, uh, Charles trying to break first to make sure he got the DRS detection zone. Uh, you know, that was, I thought that was hilarious to watch. 
But uh, really, aside from that, not the best race in the world and um, may not have had as much chaos on the track, but there was certainly was a lot of stuff going off off track. And I think that it says a lot that that was the main headline uh, from the race. Obviously, everything that happened with the missile attack on Friday and the drivers reportedly uh, decided they weren't going to race. And all of a sudden, the heads of uh, F1 and uh, government officials came in and were like, oh, no, you are going to race because you're contract contractually bound to do it. We'll never know entirely what was uh, said in that meeting. But uh, yeah, a lot of questions about the future of Saudi Arabia and certainly other countries on the F1 calendar, which I'll be very intrigued to see what happens to that in the future. Mm, and I, uh, I I woke up on Saturday morning um, very confused, I think I remember, I remember being, but not only because I'd been out the Friday night, but also because of, of, of kind of what had, what had gone on and that kind of added to that. And I was kind of like, you know, it, it, there was a lot of it. The first I kind of heard with it was on Twitter on Friday afternoon. I think I saw Chris, is it Medland? I think it is. I think our account follows mm. him. Um, and he posted a picture of like smoke kind of in the background of one of the like, uh, official pictures. And I didn't really think much of it at the time because I didn't really know what it was. And then I think it was Saturday morning when I woke up and watched FP3. And I think Sky's coverage before that was just solely on, on what had happened. And I was like, oh, you know, this is a little bit more serious and, and we should be taking this more seriously. What what do you think persuaded the drivers to race then? Do you think it was just the fact they were told, you've got a contract, you've got to fulfil it? Uh, I, I really don't know, to be honest. I think that obviously they made assurances that no, no, it is going to be safe to race. Uh, it, it's difficult to say. I don't think all the drivers were sold on cancelling the race. I think there were from what we understand, there was a, a few who were very vocal about it, uh, namely Hamilton, Russell, I think Sainz and Schumacher as well were the kind of the main ones apparently pushing for the race to be cancelled. But uh, yeah, a bit, bit difficult, really. I think there's a lot of obviously cogs in the machine here. And I, I hope we do find out eventually what was said in that meeting, because I, I really rather hope it wasn't the case that they were threatened into racing, because that would be very very bad but uh yeah i, I apparently um lewis hamilton has been invited into talks with the, the sports minister for saudi arabia to discuss the future of the grand prix which i think is a good good sign but uh yeah something needs to be done because it, it was a bit of a sham that we went racing there in the first place and i think this week uh, so a couple of the grand prix a couple of weeks ago hasn't really done its cause much good to be honest yeah, it did seem a, a bit of a, a bit of a strange one and, and very confusing. But let, let's go back to that battle. Um, a lot of people are saying Max is driving differently this year in his, in his battle against against Leclerc, probably because of their previous karting history. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd say so. I think that, as you say, he knows Charles more. Uh, he's maybe has a little bit more respect for him on the racing track than Lewis. And that's just like a generational thing, I think. But uh, yeah, there's been some kind of uh, insinuation that this is going to be a, a very friendly battle for the championship. There's no such thing. Uh, you know, I think this, this to me, is a lot of hallmarks of when Rosberg and Hamilton first went up against each other for the championship in 2014. Uh, the racing was very firm but fair to begin with, but then as it emerged that it was going to come down to the wire between the two of them, it got more aggressive and, you know, these two childhood friends became very bitter rivals by the end of it. And uh, haven't really recovered from that uh, rivalry as well. So, uh, yeah, watch this space. The kind of friendship between Charles and Max is going to turn very sour very soon. 
Yeah, I, th- I think the weird thing for me that I noticed definitely with Max is not so much with his driving style, it was more in the press after after the race. I think I may have said this in our in our chat as well, that every race, Lewis last year was congratulations to Max, congratulations, congrats to Max, blah, blah, blah. This year, you know, and we didn't see that at all from Max last year, back towards Lewis, you know, Lewis did a great job. Lewis pushed me really far, maybe once or twice, but it never was heartfelt, I don't think. Whereas both of them this year are straight to, you know, praising each other um and and i think that's something that like you said is probably going to fade out if if they turn out to to hate each other um but cast your mind back 12 months to when verstappen and hamilton's championship rivalry was just starting you wouldn't say it was a similar vibe then would you it was kind of there was kind of more respect probably between them but it it was certainly there's just something different about this one isn't there oh absolutely absolutely and you get it's it's just different driver dynamics between uh each racer really that's just how it works i guess and then uh, let's just cast our mind back to qualifying as well. Uh, we can't forget the the hour delay that we had for uh, Mick Schumacher's uh, huge, horrendous um, accident, which which obviously put him out of the race. I don't think Haas wanted to to spend the money to, to rebuild that car and then have to build the car again for Australia. So that, that's why they withdrew him. Luckily, he came away without any injuries, probably almost miraculously, you could say. I think maybe he might have had one or two joint things, something like that. Who knows? A few. I'm sure he'd have been battered and bruised after it. There's probably no doubt about that. Um, but let's start on the positive note. And I know we've probably said this quite a lot and the, and the negative we've said quite a lot as well. But the fact that he's been able to walk away from that accident pretty much unscathed just shows how far we've come since uh, the Grosjean accident um, or, or just, just in the last 10 years of, of Formula One safety. Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's, there's always improvements to the car and it is, it is a very much a safety first sport or it should be at least. Uh, I think it goes to show again, this track just isn't safe to race on. You know, they're doing 200 miles an hour with incredibly narrow walls either side of them. And yes, it's a thrilling spectacle, but it, that shouldn't get in the way of driver safety. And yes, there were less crashes this year than there were last time out. And obviously that just comes with the drivers having more experience around the track, but it's it's not going to improve. And, you know, had Mick been hurt more seriously in that incident, I think there'd be even more concerns about racing in Saudi Arabia than there already are. So again, watch this space as to, to what they do. You know, whether we go back to this particular circuit again, I'm not I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah. And uh, we were taught before the weekend that the walls were were bought kind of inwards or outwards probably however whichever way you want to put it um the walls were 1.5 meters further away than they were last year to try and improve visibility but i mean i don't know if you watch the feeder series but i watched pretty much all of the f2 sessions through the weekend and we had a lot of red flags throughout them so maybe probably a bit of a silly idea to take f2 next year and, and maybe f1 will be reconsidering that as well for for reasons that are off the track as well that, that we've already already kind of touched on before that but um I, I assume then you, you're not going to be disappointed if, if we never go back to Saudi Arabia in Formula One ever again or, or within maybe the next 10 years until things are, are starting to improve there. I wouldn't be disappointed if we took it off the calendar, but it is contracted for the next 10 years. So, yeah, it's a, a wish, wishful thinking, I think, at the moment, sadly. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess it's going to be like you said. Watch this space, and, and we'll have to wait and see what happens. And hopefully, uh, we get some improvements. But let's let's uh, not talk about Saudi anymore. We've talked about that enough, and there isn't much more to talk about uh, in terms of Saudi apart from the predictions table. We need a little update um, on that one. None of us got poll right. None of us said it was going to be Sergio Perez or Carlos Sainz, as I put it for some reason. Um, yeah, none of us said Sergio Perez. 
Um, I think we all got that Verstappen was going to win the race. Um, but I think, I don't think any of us got second and third. I think Joshua got second and third, right? He got the top three, right? So he's gained some points there. So Callum M, I'm afraid you are bottom at the moment of the predictions league. So you're going to need to step up. I'm afraid you've only got two points so far. Uh, it's really tight to be fair. You're, you're on two. Callum O is on three. I'm on four. I've lost top spot. We knew it wouldn't last long, didn't we? Um, and then Joshua is on in top spot with five, but there's only three points between us. So anything can change in a weekend and we'll see what your predictions are later and see if, uh, that helped you to make any improvements. Um, let's move on a feature that we had last year that we've not really been able to do this year so far because there's not been that much news. And that is, you know, the feature is the news. There's no other way of putting it. Um, we could come up with the kind of fancy name and jingle, but we're not going to because one, we can't be bothered. And two, there's nothing really exciting about the news. Um, but this could be quite exciting. The fact that Formula One is going to race in the USA. It's going to have a third race in the USA uh, from next year after securing a deal with for the Las Vegas Grand Prix. We're going to get a 3.8 mile track, which will include a portion of the Nevada Resort City Famous Strip, whatever that means. Um, it will be a night race held on Saturday at 10 o'clock local time, uh, which will mean it is held at 6 a.m. GMT in Europe. Um, Callum M, how excited. I don't know why I keep calling you Callum M. There's no other Callums here. How excited are you uh, to go to America and correct everything that I said wrong in that sentence as well? No, I think you pretty much nailed it on the head uh, there. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm cautious about this. Uh, obviously, the, uh, the audience in the US for F1 has grown so much in the last few years. Drive to Survive, a big part of that, of course. But do we need three races in one country? It's only ever happened uh, twice before, uh, in fact. It happened in Italy in 2020 uh, when we went to Monza, Imola and Mugello. Uh, although that was obviously COVID-related, not really a thing about... Um, like There wasn't really a big appetite to have three races in, in the country at that time. Uh, the only other time it happened was actually in the US back in 1982 when uh, one of the races was actually held in Vegas around the car park of the Caesars Palace Hotel, uh, a circuit which has gone down as one of the worst in F1 history. Uh, if you just look at it, just the actual outline of the circuit, it's completely bonkers that F1 thought, yes, this is a good idea. Um, this track does look a lot better. Uh, it, look, it could be great. I just question why we need three races in one country. We don't even know what Miami is going to be like yet as a, as a circle, as a spectacle. Uh, and, you know, we still don't have a race in Africa. You know, that we are pushing a lot for uh, Kailami in uh, South Africa to get a race. Uh, there is a lot of appeal from that from the fan base. But again, if we keep adding tracks like Vegas, we're going to have to lose historic ones in Europe, which again just doesn't sit right with me and i think a lot of other people as well um i don't know i think i think one day if we have a a, a spare week we'll like draw up our like dream f1 calendar and we'll see if we'll have free races in uh, in the us on that but uh, i highly doubt it we will note that down for the summer break when we've got yeah, yeah. nothing to do with four weeks or however long it is we, we'll, we'll definitely try and get something fun like that i think um yeah, the thing with me is I think I think Miami and Las Vegas could be quite similar events that, you know, it's going to be very celebrity, you know, they look like kind of street circuits uh, as well and, and high speed ones. Um, and the danger is obviously the last thing we want is for them to become fast street circuits and dangerous street circuits, a little bit like Saudi. Um, a lot of people are now saying with these three American races, people think 
we've got too many street circuits on the calendar now and that Monaco is at risk because I, I you know see people on Twitter saying nothing ever happens there what are your thoughts on that you know we can't lose Monaco can we oh I don't know um <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't think a topic divides people, divides F1 fans more than should Monaco stay on the calendar. Honestly, above everything else, above whether Max Verstappen is too aggressive or whether Lewis Hamilton is as good as people think. Like, but above all of that, it, the big argument is, will Monaco stay on the calendar? Uh, I don't know. I, I see both sides of the argument. Um, if, if we had to lose a historic race off the track, I'd absolutely pick Monaco to be the one to lose purely because the circuit just isn't that entertaining anymore. At least not on a Sunday. On a Saturday, very entertaining. Uh, but, it, you know, Grand Prix aren't held on a Saturday, apart from the Vegas one, obviously. Apart from so. that one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Joshua and, and, and Cullen think. Um, Joshua will probably want three races in Monaco, you know, have are three races in the same country in, in Monaco um, that wouldn't surprise me but yeah it's a really difficult one but Las Vegas it, it should be a great event just like Miami will be and obviously we've got Austin um, that we already kind of all, all know and love would you be prepared to lose Austin if, if we had these two races or do you think that has to stay if they could work out a, well, we'll, we'll see how Miami goes in a month's time in terms of being a racing venue and obviously Vegas next year if they if all three tracks are good i wouldn't mind and austin is quite a good track i wouldn't mind a, an idea of kind of rotating between the three but I, that's i think near impossible to work out you know it was hard enough for germany to work out a system where they rotated between hockenheim and the nurburgring uh you know so i i can't see it happening but yeah i, I wouldn't want to lose austin i like it it's a good it's a good venue one and these two american street circuits like last one on these oh you know are there three words to blame for, for these two being on the calendar drive to survive uh, to blame or to credit depending on uh, your point of view i guess but so yeah yeah, yeah it is drive to survive has definitely fueled this and um that's fine you know that's fine you know that's I think people were really worried that the sport was going to become too Americanized, and I, I don't think it has been. I think the changes they made are good, and I think Drive to Survive as a whole has been incredibly good for the sport, uh, regardless of your feelings towards this last series of it. Uh, but I don't know. It a lot of American fans are glad we're getting free races, and you know, good for them. You know, they've just got to make sure they show up and support them now. So. Now, this is the danger of having just two people here because we are just having a conversation rather than kind of, you know, a chat between the four of us because I'm now going to ask you if you finished watching Drive to Survive because I think when, when we first recorded our first podcast, you hadn't. I think you only, you only just started. Have you finished it yet or have you still got a life like the rest of us that are still busy? <laughs> I'm working my way very slowly through it. I think I've only got <laughs> two or three episodes left now. Have you seen Gunter uh, Stein's photo shoot yet? I have. I have got past that <laughs> stage. Uh, I haven't hated this series as much as some people. Um, honestly, like, I don't think it's been as bad as people may, have made it out to be. Um, but, you know, hey, one man's opinion. Exactly. And uh, Drive to Survive actually leads us perfectly kind of into, into our Melbourne preview, because the last time we were there uh, was probably in Drive to Survive. Um, you know, we saw yeah. in that, that, I think, the 2020 series, it must have been, um, 
the first episode, everybody was in Melbourne. We were ready to go. The cars were in the garages, ready to go out for practice. I think it was only kind of like the day before, even hours before the first practice session uh, was going to hit. We were told, no, we're not racing here. There's a pandemic on. I think Lewis Hamilton was very vocal about the fact he, you know, he was saying that. I don't even know why we're here. Um, and eventually, I, I was going to say he got his way, but he didn't because it was a health, you know, a health global pandemic. It wasn't Lewis Hamilton that went, no, we're not going here. Um, but yeah, the last time we were in Melbourne what was in 2020 and, and complete shock. Uh, well, not, not complete shock, but uh, we weren't expecting not to be there, if that makes sense. And I don't think we were expecting to not go back for so long. So at the end of this, what I'm trying to say is how good is it going to be to be, to be back in Melbourne or, or maybe how not so good? Yeah, I mean, that was when I think it really hit home for people, like what the pandemic was going to mean, because uh, that was one of the first like major events to get cancelled. And again, it was literally just hours before it was meant to begin. Um, traditionally, I haven't liked, um, I mean, Australia is a great place to go racing anyway. Australian fans love F1, got a great history with it, with drivers like uh, Jack Brabham, Alan Jones, Mark Webber, Daniel Ricciardo now, of course. Uh, the only problem is the Albert Park circuit in Melbourne isn't the most entertaining in the world. And a lot of people always think Australia should host the first race of the season. I completely disagree. Uh, because if you, you want to open the season with a ban, you know, that's why we go to Bahrain um, or other circuits. But if you open in Australia, it's usually a rather drab affair. You have to get up early in the morning as well to watch it. Which, I you know, is, is just a bin for us Europeans, obviously. But this year, I think things will be different. A uh, lot of circuit changes, which I think we're going to get into now, uh, which I think could work very nicely. Talk us through them then. Uh, we've got the new okay. champions. I, I, I should have written them down in front of me. You may have them written down in front yeah. of you, and it'll be amazing if you do, because I haven't. Um, the main <laughs> one that I have lost one of the, the chicanes, one of the heavy braking zones, um, mm. that goes into a chicane and then goes kind of out into that DRS zone where it kind of curves round and then you've got the fast right and then left towards the end of the track um and then i think there's another drs zone after that but i think that's where the drs zone is isn't it but anyway you probably know more about this than i do um talk us through the, the track changes that you know of and, and whether or not you think they're going to be beneficial so they they already announced uh, months ago that yes that actually came ill they were going to get rid of that and that has basically opened up a more like fast flowing section during the middle of the, of the track uh, they've also widened a lot of the corners as well to increase overtaking opportunities. And for the first time since F1 went racing there in 1996, they have resurfaced the track completely, uh, which will make things very, very interesting, uh, as obviously the cars have to lay down a lot more rubber this weekend. The big news, though, and this was announced on Monday, is that there will be not one, not two, not three, but four DRS zones, which we've never had in F1 before. Uh, yeah, traditionally you had two uh, down the main straight and then you had this chicane, then you had another little DRS zone going down turn three. So that is remaining, but now where this big sort of long curved um, sort of speed zone is gonna be, I think between turns nine and 10 or eight and nine, uh, there's gonna be a DRS zone there. Then there's a little chicane and there's another little DRS zone before you get into the end of the track, as you were describing earlier. I think this is going to make things so much more tastier this weekend. And yeah, bring it on. I, I, I wasn't excited really for, for Albert Park, but I am now. These are good changes. 
Good, good. That's what we like to hear. Um, I've just quickly pulled up the, the Autosport article and you've got it bang on. Several corners have been reprofiled and made wider while the biggest changes have been made towards the back of the circuit. Um, the run from the new turn six down to turn 11 is now much faster complex of sweeping turns to help provide an overtaking opportunity, which is literally what you've just said. Um, so well done you. Um, so yeah, it, it does look like it's, it's going to be much better. Um, do you think this could top Bahrain and Saudi as, as the best race of the season so far? Ooh, too early to say. Too early to say. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll let you off with that one. Um, with Australian Grand Prix in the past, what what can what have you expected from Melbourne? Usually, I mean, I know you've already said it's going to be much more exciting, but is there any kind of memories that stand out from you for for Australia of, of particularly boring races or, or exciting ones? Uh, it's not a lot of great memories there from my experience of it. I think it was always interesting because it was always the opening round. So that it was more just seeing where everyone, where every team was in terms of performance and where every driver was uh, as well. Uh, quite a, I guess, from the last time we went there, I had a very interesting um, uh, team radio message from Valtteri Bottas after he stunned everyone to win the Grand Prix um, and obviously revealed that he'd been eating a lot of porridge over the winter break, uh, which, which hence why he's now the porridge king or whatever. Uh, and of course, the other one, and I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear on this, but he said to everyone concerned, F you, basically, <laughs> which a lot of people loved um, and unfortunately has now been mean to death. So, <laughs> Good old Valtteri. Well, let, let's hope that he gets a decent result in his Alfa Romeo uh, this weekend because he's certainly been impressing us so far. Um, let's get straight into our predictions then. We haven't got uh, Joshua's or Calamo's yet um, just because we haven't um so let's go straight to yours then uh pole position for you first of all uh i'm gonna back charles leclerc again to get pole the main man again uh, i've gone with max um i think they're probably the only two that you could have gone for to be fair so i'm pretty sure one of us will be getting a point and obviously you need the point so uh, hopefully charles leclerc does get pole for you um in terms of your top three where have you gone for there in terms of uh, for the race finish of course well, with the increased uh, DRS zones, I think the Red Bulls with their better top speed are going to have a good race. And as such, Max Verstappen will beat Charles Leclerc, uh, who will finish second. And then tough one for third. Um, I think it's a toss up between Sainz and Perez or the same person as obviously you think they are. Uh, I'm going <laughs> with Sainz third. <laughs> oh, you're just you're not going to let me forget that for the rest of the season. You know. Nope. What was I doing? Oh dear, it's because I've been at work 9.30 till 5 today and then I came home and then did this out of like five minutes notice or whatever it was um, because Joshua and Callum were being annoying. No, I'm joking. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll just forget that ever happened and hopefully Joshua and Callum don't listen back to this episode and, and remember that. Um, so anyway, I've gone with uh, Max first, Leclerc second and then I've gone with Lewis Hamilton in third um I've gone my wild card kind of links into this well not really um the first wild card I wrote down was someone is going to surprise us from somewhere um and then I thought that is probably the most vague wild prediction I could have ever put that, um, that's literally what a wild card is Matt so I've gone with uh, Williams are going to surprise us um this weekend and I'm going to go they're going to have one car in the top 10 at the end of the Grand Prix whether or not it's going to happen who knows? Um, but that's going to be my Williams prediction. And that kind of coincides with, I think, Mercedes is going to have found some improvement, not massive improvements, 
but I think we're going to find some improvements. That's why I've got Hamilton third. But yeah, my wild prediction, we'll get straight into those. I've gone with A. Williams in the top 10. Let's have yours. Uh, well, Australian drivers haven't had a great history with the Australian Grand Prix. Uh, no Australian driver has finished on the podium, believe it or not. Uh, Ricardo has come close. He did finish second in 2014 initially and then was disqualified afterwards. Um, so kind of tagging on that a bit, I think Daniel Ricardo will get his first points of the season uh, this weekend. A lot of people will probably say, is that that wild? Well, he hasn't scored yet this season. McLaren looked woefully off the pace. But it is a home Grand Prix, so he is going to be spurred on by that. And apparently with the McLaren, the reason it's been struggling is it doesn't like warmer temperatures. Uh, hence why you know, the two races in the Middle East and in testing, they weren't looking so good in a slightly cooler environment. And apparently it's going to be quite cloudy this weekend in Melbourne. I think McLaren will uh, turn up a bit more. So, yes, Daniel Ricciardo to finish in the points this weekend. I think we need to see that from McLaren as well. I think we're all a bit bored of them finishing so loud down the pecking order. As, apart from the fact that horrific livery is never shown on TV, that, that's kind of the good thing about it, right? <laughs> I'm not getting into this debate again. <laughs> not, not again. No, no, we, no, we, no, no. We've got, we've got evenings to get on with. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, can't, <laughs> we can't be going back into this. Um, but yeah, that is the good thing about McLaren not being there. We don't get to see that awful livery. Sorry, Josh. Did he not like it? I can't remember. I can't remember what evidence. Uh, I want, I, I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully that's where McLaren are this weekend and rather than towards the back because um, that would uh, certainly be progress. Last thing to say is, have you got your alarm set um, for what, practice at like 3am or 4am or something? We're obviously in the UK. Um, have you got the alarm set for the weekend or are you going to watch it all on catch-up? I will be watching on catch-up. Uh, not the qualifying in the race I'll get up for. Practice. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I can't I can't blame you whatsoever. Um so if you're in the UK, uh practice um one on Friday is at four AM. Uh practice two is at seven AM. I may watch I usually get up about seven ish, so I may watch practice and then go to work. Who knows? Depends. Depends how I'm feeling. Uh, if you're in the UK on Saturday, I don't know why I keep saying that. Uh four AM for practice three and seven AM for qualifying. So the same again. Uh, and then Sunday, for some reason, not showing up on my calendar. But I think it's a, is it a 6am race start on Sunday or 7? It's a 6am. Yeah, it's yeah. 6. It's so six. slightly yeah. harsh on Sunday. 6am race start. Um, so you'll probably have to get up about 2 o'clock to start watching the hours of Sky coverage that gets put on uh, before every race. Um, I'll probably be up at about half five for Martin's grid walk. We didn't get Martin's grid walk. We got Johnny Herbert's grid interviews didn't we it wasn't even really a grid walk. It was just like, <laughs> i don't really know what it was um, so yeah uh, so callum obviously is not going to be on the twitter this weekend because he's not going to be up for <laughs> any of the practice no. uh maybe we'll make joshua get on it for missing practice for missing the podcast i think that's that's a fair enough uh, fair enough punishment he's at uni as well so we can get up when he wants um whereas i'm at home so he, I can't. Uh, anyway, that's enough waffle from me. Uh, enough waffle from us. Thank you for, for joining me, Kyle. I'm glad we uh, managed to get something out. Something is better than nothing. Um, as they say, thank you to everyone who's listening. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. It's at lightsoutpod underscore. Uh, we're also on TikTok and Instagram as well and probably Snapchat and 
any social media you can think of. I think Joshua has put us on there. Um, and then we're also on YouTube, which is Lights Out Podcast, and Spotify, which is Lights Out Podcast, which you should know because that's probably what you're listening to us on. Um, so, yeah, uh, make sure you're following us on, on pretty much everything. That, that's, that's the message overall. Um, and enjoy Melbourne this weekend. We'll be back for whatever the next race. Is it Imola after Melbourne? I think it is, isn't it? God, is it Imola already? Blimey. Okay, yes. I'm, ge- I'm going to guess it is. <laughs> a quick check of the calendar 15th of april no nothing is coming up that's really annoying uh but yeah it is imola on the 22nd of april is imola. there you go then that's going to be good fun um so yeah we've got a few weeks off which i think we need after this podcast because it's been a bit of a disaster from uh, from my end thinking that sergio perez was carlos science what on earth was i doing anyway that's enough waffle from us thank you very much for listening and we will see you all in a few weeks time Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.